month old and doesn't always work out well. Um, if you're just joining us tonight, if you don't know already, we have a podcast. Also, you can find it at uh, iTunes Store, Grace Family Worship Center, Excelsior Springs, Missouri. I think my wife almost has us set up on Givelify now. Are we good on that yet, babe? We're not sure on that yet. Maybe by next service we'll have Givelify. Um, you can also mail your tithes and offerings to 1816 Kearney Road, Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Um, I like to talk to you tonight about renewing your mind. And God gave me this message this last week as I was preparing for Easter and, and as I was studying and reading the scriptures and realizing one more time that Jesus took all sin upon him. Jesus took every bit of sin that was in the world and it was on Jesus and it was nailed to the cross with Jesus. All sin. I don't know if you get the magnitude of that right there, but all sin, that includes my sin. My sin was nailed on that cross with Jesus. So I no longer have to, I don't owe sin anything. It, 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 it was nailed on the cross with Christ. It was sacrificed and it died with him. So the first scripture that brings me to tonight is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And my wife, my wife added the Bible study last night about renewing your mind. So this is what I brought for that this week. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 in the New King James. It says, if then you were raised with Christ. That's the second thing we do is raise, right? Because first you have to die to be raised. But if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on those things above and not on the things of this earth. He's talking about not having an earthly mind, not being focused on the things of the earth, not having friends from the earth, but, but having those things with Christ. And it goes on to say, for you died. That means I died. All my sin died on that cross and then was raised again with Christ. I was raised again with Christ, but all the sin died right there. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ who is your life or who is our life, it says here in the New King James, when Christ who is our life, he's our new life. He resurrected into a new life for us appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And John 14 and 16, I'm just going to quote this tonight. It says, I am, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. When we're born into Christ, when we're, when we're reborn spiritually, we're born spiritually dead. When we're born in the natural out of our mother's womb, we're born spiritually dead. But when we're born spiritually, when we're reborn spiritually, Christ is a new life. He's a new way for us to live. It's a new path for us to go down. So he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We should live a new, when we, when we get saved, when we come through that blood of Christ, we should be walking in a new life, living a new life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. So many of us want to come to God, though, and continue with the same life. We think we can, we, we believe that we, we, we've changed enough, maybe, or that we're good enough after we've been around, right, or after we've been around for a while, or that we've arrived in some way. And when I was going through my notes tonight, my wife said, it feels like you're just talking about people who, who are coming from sin, but I'm talking about pressing into God no matter how far along you are in your walk with God. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Constantly renewing your mind, constantly fellowship with him, constantly striving to go farther with him. He requires change no matter what area of our life that we're in, whatever, whatever part of the walk of our walk with him that we're in. He, re, he requires change content, continuously. So if, we, if you're one of those people or if we're one of those people who, who think we've changed, we went far enough, we're good enough or that we've arrived, is that what we're going to tell Jesus when he opens up that, that book of remembrance? Think about that. When you stand in front of him on that day and he opens that book of remembrance and everything that we've ever done is there right in front of his faceness. And we say, well, I didn't think I needed to change that, God. I didn't think I needed to change that, Jesus, because I thought I was good enough. I thought that I was already saved. I already said the sinner's prayer, so I thought I'd arrived. Or I'd already changed all these other things. I'd already laid down all these things that I think of as big sin. I'd already done these things, so I thought I was good. 
Did you really mean that I'm supposed to change that thing too, Jesus? What are we going to say to him when we stand in front of him on that day? And Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that you can't have a renewing of your mind sermon without, sermon, or without Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm really nervous tonight. Can you tell that? My wife's saying, slow down, slow down. This little camera right here is something else. Usually when I have a room full of people in, in the church, I can go around, I can look at this person, I can look at that person. It's almost like I'm talking to you uh, independently or, or, or singly. I'm talking to each person here when I can do that in that way. Or I can look in the back and see people. And it doesn't bother me. I've gotten used to that. But this camera right here, I don't know who I'm looking at. So it's a totally different ballgame. So in Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the New King James again, it says, I beseech. This word beseech right here means urge. So if you, if, can we read it like that? I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, he says. Now, this word right here, reasonable, means rational. It's your rational service, and, and service means to worship. So it's a rational way that we, ser that we worship God is through changing our life. When the Spirit comes and convicts us, convicts us, con convicts us and convinces us that we need to change this or that when he speaks to us or when the word of God speaks to us and says, you know, this thing is not lining up with the way it's going in your life, then I need to change this thing. It's my reasonable service. It's my rational way that I would worship God is to, is to change the things that he requires in my life, right? It's a small token that I could do when I look at what he's done for me because let's face it, sin requires a death. And I was born into sin and when I lived in the world, I was a good sinner. And I was supposed to be the one hanging on that cross. It was supposed to be me. It was supposed to be you. So it's my reasonable service, and it's a small token that I could do for what Jesus did for me, after what he did for me. It goes on to say in verse 2, and do not be conformed, and the word conformed means in the Greek to fashion alike, to conform to, to the same pattern, fashion self according to. So we're not supposed to look like the world, right? Do not conform to this world. Don't look like it. Don't use that pattern to be what your, what your life looks like. You're not supposed to look like what the world looks like. And, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And the word transformed right here means to change into another form. Now think about this. In the Greek, I think it's somewhere in that says you use the word metamorphos. And, and that brought me, in my mind, to a butterfly. It starts off as a caterpillar, and it crawls around on these leaves. And you all have seen a, butter, a caterpillar, and it's got fuzzy stuff on it, and it crawls around, and it eats leaves, and it's kind of an ugly little, ugly little thing that crawls around. And then it goes into a cocoon, and then it comes out a beautiful butterfly. Think about that. A butterfly can fly, though, and a caterpillar can't fly. So that caterpillar and the butterfly have two totally different types of abilities, Right? They have two totally, and because of the different types of abilities, they have different types of resources, just like the Christian does. Just like the born-again Christian, I have a different ability. I have different resources than the non-Christian does, than I was before I became a Christian, because I have a relationship with God. I'm in the New Testament, right? That means I have authority. That means I'm entitled to some things. That means there's over 3,300 promises in the Bible that belong to me. We can fly, church. We have different, we have different abilities, Right? He goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing. A renewing means a renewal or renovation, right? A complete change for the better. We're supposed to completely change, not partially change, not change just a little bit, not change till we think it's good enough, but a complete change for the better. How many of y'all know that a renovation takes work? Some of you all were around when we, when we renovated this church, when we took this church, it was in terrible shape. 
And it took a lot of work. It took, it took finances, but it took a lot of work. It's going to take work to change your mind. It's going to take work to change your life. It's not just about coming to God and that's it. We're good enough. I think, I think this goes along perfectly with the Easter message. Jesus came and laid his life down on this cross and all the things he did, and he paid for the sin for us once and for all. And now what, what are we going to do for him? What are we going to do for him, church? It goes on to say, renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind or a complete changing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this word "prove" right here means to test, to approve, or to discern. Now, when you discern something, you just know it. No one told you. I didn't have to tell you when you were saved. You knew that you were saved. You just know it. Just like when I, I I'm in love with my wife. I can't tell you how I know I'm in love with my wife. I just know that I am. I discern that I am. He's talking about discerning the perfect will of God for our life. He has a will. He has a, he has a plan, and we would just discern this plan when we start changing our mind to line up with his word. We start changing our action and our friends and our hobbies. And, and I'm not saying that those things are wrong. It's not wrong to have, have, have a job and have hobbies and have friends, but they should be Christian friends. We're going to get to that here just a little later. People try to change so many times by making more money, by making new friends, not Christian friends, by, by buying a new house, by getting new cars. But, but true change comes from God. It has to come from God. So you might ask, how do we renew our minds then, preacher? I'm glad you asked. We renew our minds by getting in the Word, applying the Word, spending time in the Word, applying the Word. It's not just about reading the Word. You can read the Word from now until the end of your life, and nothing will change. It's when you apply that Word. We have, to, we have to get in that word, meditate on that word. Day and night, the Bible says, never letting it leave your mouth. That's when we'll find true success. God told Joshua, we'll find true success when we meditate on the word day and night. We have to get into the word then. We have to pray. We have to spend time speaking to God. Talk to him about his word. Sometimes we have to shut up and listen to him and what he has to say. Right? We have to have a relationship. All relationships are give and take, ebb and flow. They, they have to reciprocate. Right? So we have to give in to our this relationship. We have to read his word. It's one way he can communicate with us is through his word, through his written word. We can also pray. The spirit speaks to us. The Bible says his spirit speaks to me through my spirit. That's a relationship. When you do those things, and then you have to respond to them. You have to respond to those things when he gives them to us. Psalms 107 and 20 says this. He sent his word. God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. From their destructions. This word right here, destructions, in the Hebrew means pitfalls. When I lived in the world, there were many, many pitfalls. Some of y'all can relate to that. It could be sickness, whether that's physical or mental, whether that's poverty, whether that's addiction, right? Whether that's pornography, whatever those things are. But when we start feeling sick, what do we usually do? We talk sick. We say those things. When I'm feeling broke, when I don't have the money to cover my bills, what do I do? I said, man, I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know how we're going to afford that. You get what I'm saying? Those are pitfalls that are in the world. What we think is what we say. If we're thinking these things, then we're see that's why it's so important to have Christian friends. Because if you have friends of the world, they're going to talk like the world. What we think is what we say. If we're sitting around thinking about it and stewing on it all the time, that's what we're going to say. What we say is what we believe. The Bible says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil fruit. 
Don't laugh about that. <laughs> Brings forth evil fruit. And, and so I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> we hear ourselves more than anyone else, though. That's what I was going to talk about. We hear ourselves more than anyone else. So what I hear come out of my mouth over and over again. I may have a conversation with my wife who's laughing at me right now. I may have a conversation with my wife, and then I go have a conversation with my daughter, and I go have a conversation with my son, and then I have a conversation with my coworker. I'm the common denominator. I'm the one speaking and all these things. So the words that are coming out of my mouth, sooner or later, I'll start to believe those things, right? And what I believe is what I'll receive. That's what I'll have more of in my life. It's biblical. In thinking about things of the world, we talk about them. Think about the friends that we have in the world and what, the, what, what reports. And, and doctors and people that we go around and, and, and anyone who's given us a report that's from the world. And if we talk about it enough, we will start to believe it. We'll start, we'll start, it'll start getting inside of us. It'll start, we'll start depositing it into our heart and then it comes out of our mouth. <clears throat> if we're getting into the word though and, and we're meditating on the word and we're doing all these things that we're supposed to be doing, we're reading the word, we're meditating, and then we're having a relationship with God and we're hanging out with God's people. Now I'm not talking about people who just think that they're good enough. People who think they've, they've changed far enough and, the, and they went far enough. Or people who might just show up to church and not apply the word. I'm talking about look, people who are hungry for change and they're looking for change in their life. They're wanting to be more like what God wants us to be all the time. So talking about change in our mind, right? When we, when we start to hang out with, with, with those type of people and, and we're going to church every time it's open and we're getting into God's word and we're fellowshipping with God and we're meditating on his word, we start to talk about those things. No matter how far in the world you've been, you start hanging out with those people for a while. You start doing those things for a while. We start to talk about those things. And pretty soon we'll start to believe those things about me. I'll start to believe them about me and you'll start to believe them about you. And then we'll start to receive those things. We'll, start to, we'll begin to see those things manifest in our life and, and we'll begin to receive those things into our life. So for an example, we're just going to use the Joneses and the Smiths. The Smiths. These are not families that I know, but we're just going to say there's two families that come to church they're the Joneses and the Smiths, and they've both been in church for an equal amount of time. Let's say three years. I was going to say ten years, but you don't have to be in church that long to, to see th things start to happen. It can be a matter of, of weeks or months even. But the main point is they've been in church for the same amount of time, right? And the Joneses, they've started to harvest fruit in their life. They're seeing changes in their life. They're seeing changes all the time coming in their life. They're seeing their children prosper. They're seeing their, they're seeing their family thrive, right? They're seeing other parts of their family start to come in, aunts and uncles and, and, and grandparents and brothers and sisters. They're seeing people, family, people in their family saved. This, this is what's happened to the Joneses family. The Smith family, who's been in the church for the same time, they're not seeing much change at all. They haven't seen anyone saved for a long time. They've got a lot of bickering and fighting and division going on in their household. They're behind on all their bills. They're in, with all this coronavirus and all these things going on, there's a lot of fear. They can't get off the, off the Facebook and the, and the YouTube and, and whatever, the, the television they're watching, and, and, and they're feeding into all the fear and the stress and the worry and all these things. So what's the difference in the two families? They both go to church. They're both doing what, they, what, what they're supposed to be doing, they believe. They've both been in the church the same amount of time. They're both here in the Word. Think about this. What's the difference in them? Only one is doing the Word. You can tell by the fruit people produce. You can see by the fruits. Only one is doing the Word. The only one here in the Word, <clears throat> they're hearing the same thing. I'm sorry to say. They're hearing the same thing, but they're not hungry for change. 
One, there's only one family doing the word. The other family's not hungry for change, so there's nothing changed in their life. They're not applying the word. They're not taking it and, and, and making sacrifices and doing those things. People who don't want change want help outside of God's word, though. Can I tell you that tonight? If you don't want change, God requires change. We're not perfect. We're being perfected. And if we don't want change, we want help somewhere else outside God's word. We want things to conform to us. The people who want help outside of God's word or the people who don't want change, we want things to conform to us. Now, think about this, because when you came to work or, or when you came to church the first time or when you came to God the first time, things weren't going so good for most of us, right? We were looking for something different. We'd seen some Christians and, and we saw how they were happy and they were joyous. And maybe we came in the house of God and we had an encounter with the Almighty God. We had an encounter with the Spirit and we wanted that. We wanted something different in our life. Why would we only go so far with God? Why would we only go a little bit into that? When there's so much more that we could have, we need to make sure that's not us today, that we're unwilling to change, that we're set in our ways. I'm not talking about just people changing from, from being sinners to becoming Christians. I'm talking about a constant flow of change. We need to be constantly pressing into him all the time, looking for more of him. I want to look more like what he wants me to look like, not him, him approving what I want to do. We need to make sure that we're not set in our ways and, and we're sitting back thinking, well, that's just too hard, preacher, or, or that's just the way I am. I'm kind of hateful. I'm a little bit mean, but deal with me because that's just the way I am. Or this is just what I am, so, so just deal with it. So how, how will you change or how will God change you if you don't want anything to do with his word? If we're not getting into his word and we're not pressing into his word all the time and we're not applying his word to our life and we're not meditating and we're not spending the time with him, how, are we, how will God ever change us if we're not spending time on this relationship with him? It's not good enough just to read the word. It's not good enough. James 1 and 22 says, but be doers of the word. This word means apply. This word doers means apply, but apply the word. Apply the word of God and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Now, this word right here, deceiving, I looked up in the, in the Greek tonight, earlier today, and it said, to reckon wrong. You're reckoning wrong. If you're thinking you can just hear the word, if you're thinking you can just come into the house of God, and you're good enough, and nothing has to change, and you don't have to do anything about anything, you're reckoning wrong. You're thinking wrong. Your thinking is stinking. Your thinking's got messed up somewhere. Because you're wrong. It says you're reckoning wrong. You're deceived. You've deceived your own self, thinking thinking that you're good enough or that we've changed, we, we've came far enough, you get what I'm saying. We can have as much or little as we want of God. We can. It's totally up to us. How much of his power is working in your life is completely and totally up to you. It's completely and totally up to me. I can have more of God if I want more of God. I can have less of God if I want less of God. All I've got to do is squander that relationship Stop spending time in his word. Stop applying that word to my life. Stop allowing him to change me. When the spirit quickens me to do something or not to do something, go against the spirit. I can quench the spirit just like that. That quick. God wants more for you. God wants more for me. He wants us to be constantly moving forward, constantly experiencing spiritual growth. When's the last time, church, that you've grown spiritually? Think about this. I had to repent about this today. When's the last time that you've grown spiritually? Think about it. If you haven't grown spiritually for a while, the ball's not in God's court. It's in our court. 
He wants us constantly moving forward, constantly growing spiritually, constantly healed, constantly blessed. Right? He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to have victory. He wants us to have all these things, all the things the Bible says about us. He wants us to have those things. The whole Bible is true. And the whole Bible is for you. It's for me. It's for each individual one of us. But it's totally up to us. It takes discipline sometimes. Sometimes these things I'm talking about aren't the easiest things to do. When you know you've got to give something up for God or, or you've got to give a little extra time in because you've been slacking for a while. And, and, and especially when you've been slacking for a while, then we really need discipline. And it takes time. Right? But if we'll, if we'll take that time to discipline ourselves, if we'll do that, and we'll step out and we'll start, we'll start meditating in his word and, and we'll give him our first fruits and, and we pay our tithes and we're obedient to God and we do all those things that he, that he commands us to do. When we start doing those things and we discipline ourselves, some of us could use discipline, by the, by the way, church. When we start to discipline ourselves, he, he starts to change things. And, and, it, and when we start to come to church every time the church doors are open, I know you can't right now, but we can get in our word every day. We need to press into God more than ever right now, church. I know we can't be here together corporately, but we can be together spiritually. We can spend that time with God. We, we can get into his word. We can meditate. We can spend time in this relationship with him. I'm telling you, there's going to be a revival when this church comes back together. There's going to be a revival. You better be ready for it. You better be prayed up. You better have spent your time in the word. You better be meditating and spending your time with God, right? Spending time with people of like faith. When you discipline yourself, if you miss out on those things for a while, then you start to miss those things. But if you just miss out on those things and you haven't disciplined yourself to do them in a while, it's going to be rough. Some, a couple of, uh, of my board members, actually, when, we, when we, the government made it where we couldn't have church anymore for a while, um, they were kind of sick over it, it seemed like. They didn't want to miss church. They, they came to me and said, you know, I hate to miss church because when you miss once or twice or you miss three times, it makes it really hard to come back again. It makes it really easy to lay out. Church, when you lay that Bible down and we don't read it for a while, it makes it really, really hard to pick it back up again. We need discipline. We have to do these things. And God will help us with this. God wants, he's our parent. If my daughter came to me today or my son came to me today and said, Dad, would you help me read my Bible? Would you help me understand what God's saying to me here? How many of us would tell our kids no? God won't either. God wants to help if we'll ask him, if we're willing to change, right? If we're willing to give some things up for him. Maybe if we're willing to give some friends up for him. If you're hanging out with people who still want to go and run and party and, and do the things in the world that we do, what do you think is going to happen with us? Sooner or later, we're going to begin talking about it. We're going to slip back up into it, right? We have to make God our first priority. Our number one priority has to be him. Has to be time with his word, time with him. That has to be our number one priority, even above our wife, even above our spouse, right? Even above our children has to be God. Our priority should look like God, our spouse, then our children, right? We've got to get back to that church. We've got to make sure that we're still willing to change, that we're still teachable. If that's you tonight and it speaks to you, I pray that you would make a new commitment with, tonight, with God tonight. I pray that you would, I pray that you would, uh, that you would repent and get right with God tonight. That that you would realize that this is for you, and and all of us can afford to get closer to God, right? All of us can use more of God in our life. Can we just press together, church? We we'll have a Bible study tomorrow night. Is it seven?
730. We'll have a Zoom meeting. Um, anybody who's wanting to get on that that's from here, text my wife. Um, if we could, go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy. We just praise your mighty name, Lord. I pray that you would have your way in this church, Lord. Have your way in my heart, Lord, in my mind, Daddy. Lord, if there's anything that's not right by me, Lord, with you, Father, I pray that you would purge it out of me, Daddy. I don't care what it is. Nothing's more important to me than my relationship with you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would change hearts here tonight, Lord, that you would change minds, Father God, that you would change lives, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to look more like you, Daddy, Lord, and bind this church together in an atmosphere thick with love, Daddy. Get us all in one mind and one accord, Father God. Press it into you. Press it into your word, Father God. Lord, we pray these things to you in Jesus' name, Dad. Lord, I pray that you would protect our church body, Lord. Protect us from the coronavirus or any other thing that comes along, Father. Lord, I know that your word says when the enemy comes against us like a flood, that you'll rise up your standard of protection. And, Daddy, we thank you for your standard, Father. Lord, I pray that you would cause our will to match your will and look more like you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, Daddy. Amen. That concludes our service. We'll be on Zoom tomorrow. We'll have a regular service on Sunday at 10.50 a.m. Join us there, please.